we'll figure it out. We can always just say you're um, reporting live from the ocean's floor. The Joker, yeah, it has arrived. This is Mortal Kombat versus DC is the sequel. I mean, air horn into nine to five. Iconic. Welcome to Two Reels, where we take a recent film and find its perfect, most mortal, double feature pairing. I'm Rod Bastenmare, and joining me today, a man who let me finish him in a truck stop bathroom 10 years ago, but we never talk about that night. It's Joey Biancon. Joey, was that too much? Was that too much? (laughs) We can edit it. No, you know what? This is our truth. Let's live with it, baby. Okay. I know an ally when I when I see one. And also joining us, a man who let me finish him in a Denny's parking lot a few weeks ago, Davey Rubin. Davey, was that too much? I don't keep secrets, man. Uh, it was a flawless victory as far as I was concerned. This is what we love about this podcast. It's a safe space full of allies, and we share our darkest secrets. Speaking of dark secrets... I absolutely, at Davy's behest, got the privilege of having my first film back in theaters after a year be Mortal Kombat, which I'm very excited <laughs> to talk to you guys about. Before we talk about this film, let's just do a little temperature check. Davy, were you a Mortal Kombat fan as a kid? Oh, yeah. I had the first one on Sega, and... Uh... I've, I've played, like, every single one since. I fucking love it. And I've seen every movie multiple, multiple times. Sick. Okay, Joey, what about you? Were you a Mortal Kombat head? I I loved it, but I was definitely a button masher. I never quite got all the moves down. Cause would, I think it was uh, at Davey's house, so I would kind of come over. Didn't quite have the, the same thing, and same at arcades. But I could, you know, you could really compete by just hitting the buttons fast enough so that was my main strategy yeah cool so you were literally everyone's least favorite person (laughs) to play with everyone has that friend and it was you tight okay good to know (laughs) i'm glad that representation matters on this podcast i'm glad your people (laughs) are on this podcast um mortal Kombat. it is directed by simon mccoy and it stars Louis Tan as a new character, Bravely, Cole Young. But we have a lot of our regular characters. We have Sonya, Kano, Sub-Zero, a lot of Sub-Zero, Scorpion, Liu Kang. This is the third iteration of Mortal Kombat to be taken from video game screen to film. The original was, of course, Loki, a classic, 1995, directed by... Paul W.S. Anderson, not to be confused for Paul Thomas Anderson, and a director who I have a feeling we'll be talking more about shortly. You guys, what did you think of this newest interpretation of Mortal Kombat? I thought it was okay. <laughs> I, uh, wasn't, I wasn't, like, bothered by it, but it just kind of, uh, you know... The whole UFC tie-in didn't really grab me. I, uh, I, you know, I love a get the gang together, 
we got a alien force coming movie so i appreciated that but i thought they could have done a little more with the the build-up i wanted to see the guys get together i wanted to see some banter i wanted to see some strategy and it felt like instead it was just we had to finish him quota in the writer's room that we had to hit and they were just getting to fights you know so i wanted a little more foreplay slightly less fighting and i think uh that would have done it for me yeah there was a lot of kano in this i feel like kano got <laughs> a lot of the comedic relief the screen time just like a lot of the air in the film and i don't think i expected that much kano i think kano hive is stronger than maybe any of us realized davy what did you think of mortal kombat you were hype. Let's just actually put that out there from the jump. You were you you don't have the dates in your calendar for the Mortal Kombat video games, but you were ready for the film. Oh, so ready for the film. Loved it. It's it's like heroin into my veins. A game like this, a movie <laughs> like this. It's just it's everything I want. It's let's throw the story away. Crazy costumes, crazy superpowers, really sick fight scenes, which like for me is is so important. And then also just unlimited fan service. Like every every line that you've basically ever heard in a Mortal Kombat game is uttered at some point in this movie. You got flawless victory, fatality, finish him, their souls will be mine. That's like a classic one. Uh, and then there's even like one of my favorite little call outs. I'll just call it out now because I thought of it. There's a scene in the training when... Uh, Luke Kang like sweeps Kano's legs and he falls and he gets up and he's like, but you can't do it again. And he sweeps his legs again and he falls Then he gets up and he does it a third time and he falls. And it just seems like a stupid scene in the movie, but there was like this sort of cheat code that you could do in the first Mortal Kombat where you could just keep sweeping someone's leg over and over again and you could just beat them and they couldn't get up. And so it was a total like acknowledgement to this one weird thing that only people who played the game knew (laughs) so they were like there's just unlimited fan service great fights super gory a woman got chopped in half by essentially a buzzsaw it's like it was great and look i hear you but long side yeah yeah, long Long side side. long side (laughs) you know what i'm saying it's rare it's rare and i hear you i mean like it didn't have a whole lot of story but the thing is like mortal kombat's a video game it doesn't have story so the risk is like, do you try and develop a story and then everybody's like, what the fuck are you doing? This is a fighting game or do you just go straight into it? And I, I agree. They probably could have leaned more in one direction than the other, but I loved it. It was fucking great. Fight! No Harry Potter. Who's that? Cute. Real cute. Let's see, try down again. That's the only move you know, mate. Yeah, yeah, put a shirt on, Magic Mike. Is the superpower thing, Davy, as our resident Mortal Kombat expert, is that what is that the thing of each character in the game that they each sort of possess a very specific thing that they do? Well, again, the game doesn't have a story, <laughs> so it's. <laughs> It's not like it's not like you start off as Liu Kang and he's just like a, a chef and then he all of a sudden can like make a huge dragon out of fire. That's just he does that. So in, in in this movie it's like you either start them all off with superpowers or you explain where you get them. 
but everybody in the game has like some sort of superpower, even if it's just like punching really hard or being able to like fly and kick. Not everybody can shoot like lasers out of their eyeballs, but I mean, yeah, I, my question that I was asking the whole time is like, if it just comes at some random point, what if like Cole's superpower just came in the middle of like an MMA match and nobody ever found him and all of a sudden mid MMA match, like a gold <laughs> suit of armor fell over his body and he had sharp nightsticks in both his hands. Like that's, that was an unexplored piece of things for me. Right. Like when Wolverine's claws come out, like when Wolverine's claws come out during the cage fight in the first X-Men when he's just like angry and like too erratic. Um, I cannot believe the degree of fan service that you shouted out with the cheat code, Davey, which really, I think, highlights that this movie is operating maybe more than even other franchises or, like, franchises to be operating at a level of, like, Easter egg fan service that is, like, way deeper. Because, like, comic canon, you know, that's, like, one thing. But, like, the cheat codes of the video, it's, like, that is so next level to me. I, like... I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I I mentioned that this was the first film I saw in theaters because it was impossible for me to, like, separate the experience of just, like, being back in a theater <laughs> and having this experience from whatever the film was or was not doing. So it was undeniably enjoyable. But I think, like you said, Davey, like, I kind of wish it would have gone in one of the two directions of being narrative and, like, emotion in air quotes, like, driven and just fight scenes because it actually felt like act one act two like it the film actually to me kind of lacks a third act almost entirely i found the ending really like abrupt and i also my biggest criticism is there's no tournament right they're they're saving that i guess where is mortal Kombat? (laughs) i guess they're saving that for the next (laughs) one but uh is that right Yeah, yeah i mean that's i who the hell knows who really knows but yeah i mean the last the last two i think you get to the tournament at some point and actually the tournament starts in Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation. So I think they just wanted to do something a little bit different and make the bad guy even more bad. Like he's cheating ahead of time. He's cheating. That's what I kept screaming that he's cheating. I was like they it, whatever he wants to do to them, he literally can like cosmically legally do at the tournament. Like you're literally cheating. And if you're not scared of these people why are you cheating also then? like who's enforcing these rules like they at one point raiden who's like the other most powerful person is like you know this isn't allowed and shang Tsung's response is nobody cares and it's like what <laughs> this is a this is a tournament about taking over worlds full dimensions of people. I don't know where the person is who's running things, but it's not like he's doing this quietly. He's just going and murdering people. And now another God knows about it. And instead of like reporting to the council of gods, he's like, yeah, my humans will, they got this. It'll be okay. Once they get their powers. In terms of Easter eggs, what I thought was going to be the, it was probably my highlight of the movie for me. And I paused it and I rewind and went back. But when they get in Kano's uh, plane, for the shortest little flash of the pilot, I thought they got the Dame Judy Dench to play the pilot. Ooh. Joey. Of Kano's plane. 
and I was losing my mind. I went back to check, and I'm like, if this is a fucking Riddick Easter egg that they're throwing us, just Judy Dent showing up out of nowhere in a fucking terrible action movie. Helen Mirren is was... in Fast and the Furious. The dames are working. They're booked, and they're busy. Yeah. So I thought that was her for a second. I was, I was losing it. I jumped off the couch. Stars and cats once. I'm all on board with a movie that, like, basically says we don't really have to explain anything and go fuck yourselves. Like there's a scene where somebody turns to Raiden. They're trying to solve a problem. And it's like, how do we take down these bad guys? And they go, wait, can you send anybody anywhere? And Raiden looks at him surprised. And he's like, yeah. Like what? You can just send anybody (laughs) anywhere and you don't even have to be there. And that like explained a whole plot point. Like there was this whole puzzle they were encountering. That was the solve was just, Oh, you can do anything. Okay, great. Problem solved. Finish him. The more you see these Hollywood movies, the more the Marvelness of everything just like seeps in like one degree closer where you're just like, everything feels like a reaction or response to that and one of the most marvelly things is this like obsessive universe building this like constant idea that like you're just seeing 10% of the iceberg like let me hook you there's something really like surprisingly simple about this mortal combat that made it feel actually not that different from the 1995 one it felt obviously i walked out being like you know we're going to get a sequel i hope so because i literally did not see a tournament so i literally expected tiktok but like there was no stinger at the end of the credits and i was like that feels at this point like punk like literally everybody just mm-hmm. is like there was just this sort of um sense of like it felt like everybody had knew the film they were making which i don't think i expected going in i thought it was going to be they're making one thing I'm going and expecting to see something and I'll either like it or not. But I was like, I think we're all in agreement of what is kind of happening here, even though there's too much story, but still not that much story. Like you were saying. Yeah. I think Mortal Kombat had this great setup where it was like, if you watch this movie and you don't like it, it's your fault because we're not trying to convince (laughs) you that we are anything other than exactly what we're about to be. And so like anybody who sits down and is like, whoa, no story, no character development. Like, it really went nowhere. It's like, yeah, what were you doing watching a movie called Mortal Kombat? You know, it's like, that's, that's what you sign up for. <laughs> well, you said you said the marvelness of it all, and I think this one, it felt more like the Fast and the Furious model, where it was kind yes. of like, we have this incredibly diverse cast. We're doing some action stuff. We know what we are we're you know owning it and it's not you're here for a fun time not a long time to like enjoy it you know yeah i think like that's just it was beautiful like i was not offended watching this movie i was just like yeah this is a fucking movie it's great i love movies (laughs) it's nothing more than that and that's like yeah it's nothing more than that uh i will say you said there was no stinger they didn't need to do a stinger because our guy Cole walks by a poster for Johnny Cage <laughs> starring in Citizen Cage. Fucking love end, that. Which is <laughs> incredible. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh my God. <laughs> and that sounds like an extended universe See, to me. Yeah, I want the entire Johnny Cage <laughs> canon of films dropped on a streaming service as like ancillary 
product. I would love him just to go through the Criterion collection and do Johnny Cage versions <laughs> of different classics. It'd be amazing. <laughs> to uh, Rod, to your point that you said earlier, and then I have a question to follow it. You said Kano takes up too much air. I think the problem is like he's the only character with any personality in this, except for Sonia, who I think they're hoping will be the other one. And she was just brutal. I mean, she was so bad. And usually the usually the other person who is like the charming one is the Johnny Cage of the movie. And we didn't have him. Right. So you're just reliant on Kano. All that being said, I got to ask you guys, who were your favorite characters, good or bad? We'll start with you, Rod. My, so I love Scorpion. I just love the grotesqueness of Scorpion's power like comes out of his hand. There's just something about that that's like sci-fi, horror. I don't know. It's like it's sort of like the chestburster from Alien or something. And actually one of my favorite little like things, I don't know if this is part of the Mortal Kombat canon or just something they like did for fun as like a Easter egg or hint or whatever. But the use of that character in the intros like the knife or dagger on the rope and sort of like the origins of this like kind of like Scorpion thing. So Scorpion's always my number one, and then obviously Sonya number two. Like, no question. I Sonya hive till I die. I'm kidding. Every Sonya has always been a nightmare, including in 1995. <laughs> I have to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I wanted to spend way more time in that ancient world where the su- evil... Do you see in the subtitles, Sub-Zero speaking Chinese and Scorpion speaking Japanese? Right fascinating love that stuff they even made a point of being like i can't understand you but i will still fight you with my little knife dagger thing but like that that shit great way to do a mortal Kombat movie put me in the fucking imperial japan and let's see some fighting yes let's get it that way (laughs) because that those two characters had the most depth great backstories and those fights just kick ass like those were the I agree. Fights. That the first fights. scene is the best scene in the movie, pretty much unquestionably. Without question. There's a there's a Mortal Kombat series called Mortal Kombat Legacy that's YouTube episodes, and they're like five to ten minutes in length. Really high production value actors. I think it's the same actor who played Scorpion in this, plays him in these movies. And the oh. fight scene between Sub-Zero and Scorpion is insane and similar-esque to this. So if you guys, I'm sure all you've been thinking about since watching it is I need more, but uh, there's two full <laughs> seasons of those shows. So check them out. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Clone Wars for Mortal Kombat. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Scorpion is my favorite, but Sub-Zero was great yeah. in this. Like they did so much cool shit with the ice, like the shotgun where he freezes the pellets as they're coming out. So fucking cool. It's so good. Should we get to the pairing, Davey? What did you pick for our other movie? Yeah, so um, I wanted to pick something that I thought really embodied what success looks like in a video game to film, um, I don't know, transition or whatever. And something that would also show you guys just like a totally different type of video game movie, but that also pays a ton of fan service, is insane, like just does a bunch of crazy stuff. So I chose the 2002 movie Resident Evil, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, same guy who did the first Mortal Kombat. 
and starring Mila Jovovich, Michelle Rodriguez, Eric Mabius, and a whole crew of other people. But um, I want, I've been thinking about like how to ask you guys what you thought. And I want to do it in sort of like a conservative way because I already have some ideas. But <laughs> did this movie completely change your life? Rod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, it felt like staring into the sun. I feel like I'm still picking up the pieces of... There's just a gap between who I was before I started watching Resident Evil and the person that sits in front of you today. So I'll have to come back to that question, and I'll let you just take what you want from that answer. Joey, life changer? Yes? No? I, I mean, for me, I got my second COVID <laughs> shot yesterday, and uh, it led to about you know, 12 hours of fever and body aches and everything. But I still think this hour and 40 minutes was the most painful part of my week. <laughs> so I'll, that's a great opportunity for a follow-up question. Are you just dying to watch the next five? <laughs> I can't believe there's so many Resident Evils. I can't believe they made a billion dollars, but goddamn. There are so many oh, yeah. of them, Davey. I want you to answer for this. There are so many Resident Evils, and the most recent one is not that not not that old. No, and it was great. The third one is probably the best. The third one's probably the best. That's when we get uh, Ashanti in the fold and Ali Larder. So things. Okay, I'm actually listening. Yeah, obviously pick up. But some crazy facts about Resident Evil. Uh, the first one, thirty-three million dollar budget, and made more than a hundred and two million worldwide. Six films in the series, as you mentioned. Uh, it's the highest grossing video game film series, best-selling horror game series, making it the highest grossing franchise in horror and zombie history. So chew on that, because that's like, I'm pretty sure Walking Dead lives in that world. Uh, six movies total, all written by Paul W.S. Anderson, with a seventh on the way, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. No. No. Yep. No. Uh, no. <laughs> and, and despite consistent negative critic reviews for every single movie, each movie successively has made more than the last one. I feel, Davey, like this, this, <laughs> you're rattling off the facts about Resident Evil has the energy of like, like a hostage situation. Like nobody is leaving this podcast until we are aware of what the fuck Mila had to do and what she went and did for the last 15 years, right? Dude, Mila is time. not complaining. Yeah. I think I feel like Fifth Element in 97 <laughs> she gets noticed as like this hot action star and 5 years later she gets her own franchise and like against all odds movie gets terrible reviews and just keeps getting greenlit for more it's just it's absolutely insane and she's awesome in it i think michelle rodriguez looks like a zombie way before she gets bit and there's just like all this crazy shit like when was the first time you remember seeing zombie dogs when's the first time you remember seeing a laser trap room Michelle Rodriguez actually mm. says in this movie, oh, you're telling me we should shoot them in the head? This was like before people knew you shot zombies in the head. She figured it out. It is just a, it's absolutely mind-blowing film for me. And 
groundbreaking. On, honestly, like, what yeah. did you guys think? I know that you both uh, <laughs> are a little colder on it than me, but give me give me some takes. I was, while I was watching, I'm like, what do I want from a video game movie? Like, what am I really asking for? Like, do I want a facsimile of the experience of playing the video game? Do I want to be placed in the world? And I think this one felt like me trying to play a first-person shooter on PlayStation. Didn't know how the controller worked. Could never figure out how to look straight. It was too dark. And then I would just get, like, shot in the head, you know? And that kind of felt like what I was having there. So in that way, it really nailed it. I felt lost. I felt unable to focus. <laughs> it was great. Really, like, got it. You know? Really exploring the psyche of the button smasher, which I'm going to make sure listeners don't forget. You self-identified yourself as. This is what happens in the mind of a button smasher. So dark. That's right. So hard to follow. And so you felt like the story was actually hard to follow, or what was it that was like confusing about it? I was kind of watching it, being like, I I don't know if I'm supposed to know who all these people are or what's going on in this world but like every once in a while there would be an exposition drop and it would be like oh we're in we're underground we're under a city that i don't know what the city is but like that explains that oh there's some virus going on that explains that but then there was something about like a sister who had broken in and i never really got that full story maybe i missed part of that and i was just kind of there in this underground world without windows and pretty unclear what room was what, how big it was, anything like that. Everywhere they turned, there were zombie dogs, and it was just, hmm. you know, kind of hard to get my bearings. <laughs> I could have I used a little uh, small top corner radar to know where I am in the, in the place the whole sure. time. Sure. Well, you have to pick that up. You pick that up at level two. <laughs> what did you think, Rod? Yeah, this was a, it was a, it was a tough sit. I was definitely just like, (laughs) what's happening? But I'm glad you mentioned 2002. It had real, like, 2002 feels not that long ago. And yet you watch it and you're like, this was a long time ago. Like, this just feels like a different era of filmmaking. It just has a different... I don't know. There's it. You just realize how long ago these times are that don't feel nearly that long. So that was a personal reckoning that um, an existential crisis I was having during Resident Evil. Thank you for that, Davey. I think like the thing that I think works is that it has the sort of like forward momentum of a video game. This is the thing that I think is often missing from video game movies almost all the time that this movie does against all odds actually have, which is like video games are especially older video games so contained like they are you know like mission driven you know i mean like rpgs are short like really like large open world games now we're sort of in this like new era of video game that are almost mimicking movies more so than the other way around but like there's something really satisfying about the point a to point z-ness of a video game and resident evil has that it definitely feels like it start you have this cold open which feels which felt sort of like the movie before the game starts you know then it like sends you to the screen and you like hit start and then like the game begins and you know you're going from point a to point z you're in this one space i think i was just a little bit like i could not figure out what was happening much like joey i literally (laughs) i just didn't know what was happening for some reason i 
really was just trying to like feel around and once they get to the train i was more in it i think i think i needed to get out of that building at a certain point i was like i actually don't understand what's happening but i do think it's an effective video game movie what are what are your guys's thoughts on video game movies there are not that many well am i right there aren't that many i mean the reason i chose this is i just think it's a good example of like giving your video game players what they want and both of these games were very famous for bringing violence to video games in a way that other games hadn't so the first mortal Kombat, uh they weren't allowed to show blood because that was still when censorship was big but they had a cheat code that you could enter that was the blood code <laughs> and then you could enter this blood code and then there was blood everywhere and so like mortal Kombat was one of the first fighting games to really make gratuitous blood a big thing so it makes sense that this movie wants to pay tribute to that and then same thing like resident evil was really the first horror zombie video game that was pretty mainstream movie totally pays tribute to that in a, in a good way and keeps kind of yeah like this mission movie game feel going uh but yeah it's it's hard to hit with a video game to movie and they're just aren't that many that have done it. I mean, this is the most successful one and nobody ever likes it, so. Deep underground. In a top secret research lab, security has been breached. A deadly virus capable of contaminating the entire world has been released. Oh my God. We have to get out of this building. Who's that? It's the brakes! Yeah, no, I mean, I do think that at the very least, you know, what where it lands as a video game movie is one thing that makes it interesting, but it's also, like you said, it's a horror franchise. It's like a sci-fi franchise. It actually exists in this genre that is, like, separate from the video game in a way that, like, Mortal Kombat, like, sort of, I guess, does, but I feel like you never divorce the video game from Mortal Kombat. Like, it's not a kung fu film. It's not a martial arts film. It's not quite sci-fi. It's like, it is a video game movie. The two are impossible to divorce. Resident Evil, in my mind, and I think in a lot of people's minds, sort of exists simultaneously. It's a video game franchise, but it's also this, you know, action franchise. It's sort of, when I was watching it, I was like, this movie is, to me, like a more Kirkland brand alien franchise if alien started with mm, aliens mm. if it started with ripley waking up and it being action instead of horror even though it totally has horror so it's interesting how it can skate both these genre lines and i think that's that's the reason partly for its insane success that it's actually also just a b-movie franchise too separate from being a video game adaptation what interests me about the video game adaptation thing is like a lot of video games spend a lot of time with their world building and story building within but clearly the successful adapters of video games this guy is the most successful is less interested in the story than in creating the video game as a movie which makes you kind of realize like no one's playing the video games for those little interstitial story moments they're playing it for the feel of walking through this building and all of that and i think what he i mean it's like sad that this is 
what he's doing with his adaptation, but I think what he nails is like, you don't really give a fuck about <laughs> the characters. I'm going to have all these completely impossible to tell the difference white guys who don't really matter. And one of them might die at any moment and it's fine. <laughs> but like <laughs> you're here because you want to see Mila kick some ass and go through this world. And I'm just going to let you do that. I think it's like very simplified to like the roots of what you actually want to do while you're playing the game. Yes. Rather than let me bring you into the world. Yeah. Of the game. Let's make it sexy. Let's make it violent. Let's make it a little scary. Cause like that game is actually kind of scary and we don't have to do too much else. Yeah. What did you guys think of that laser room scene? It's my favorite scene in the movie. I, I, I loved it. I love lasers. <laughs> I want that recorded. I want people to know that and hold me to it. I love, love lasers. And I did watch the teaser trailer for 2016's Resident Evil, the final chapter. And the laser room is back. Oh, they gotta go back and I was it. like, yeah. they gotta go back. They gotta go back to the, the hive. And the laser room is back and you get a little fan service. I literally skipped, um, what is it, 91 films in between. So it's like the first one and then the trailer for the second one. Uh, <laughs> or for the sixth one, I guess, seventh one. Um, but I love the laser room. I like when it turns into diamonds yeah. and turn and shreds the dude into pasta filter chunks, into tortellini. Yeah, <laughs> and you think it's going to get turned off in time. But boy, does he just slowly fall apart. They give you the deep uh, That's what I love about it is it's... It really is somebody who knows what he's making. He knows, like, you see the first laser, and the viewers are going, just jump. And so then the next laser comes, and a guy jumps, and it goes up and slices him in half. And so then you're watching it again, and you're like, all right, I got this. Next time I know what I'm going to do, I'm going to, like, jump or duck based on what happens. And then it just grids and just slices him into Swiss cheese. And it's just, I mean, what an execution. Absolutely flawless. A flawless victory. Fatality. Let's quickly talk about Mila Jovovich. What is your guys's feelings on? What was your guys's feelings on Mila Jovovich as you were growing up? I was convinced she was the editor in chief of Maxim because she was on the cover every other month. I was like, she must own this magazine. Actually, <laughs> did not know who she was. I saw Fifth Element very late, um, and then I see her in this. So, what are your guys's thoughts on Mila Jovovich? And this is where she it lives. Right, Mila Jovovich's career has good for her has like stayed in Resident Evil. I'm not seeing her in a lot of other films or even television shows. Is that right? Yeah, I think she at this point in her life is much more into being a mom than she is into seriously. <laughs> Baby, that's seriously. Funny. So she. How do you know that? You work for Resident Evil. I, I just saw some <laughs> video with her where she's like just hanging with her kids and she doesn't. She doesn't want to make too much else. So it's like she just makes movies with her hubby. And they just make they just had one called Monster Hunter that was like supposedly fire. I haven't seen it yet. But Well, we should say who her husband is. Yeah. Her husband is the director of this movie, Paul W.S. Anderson. <laughs> and It's a family it's affair. It's a total family affair. Uh, but to answer your question, to me growing up, the two hottest women in the world, three hottest women in the world, Britney Spears... Eliza Dushku, Mila Jovovich. Really? She was in your top three? She was wow. my... Wow. Noah Avril Lavigne or the Evanescence girl, Dave? Amy Lee. They show, yeah, Say her, her name. name is Amy Lee. They showed up <laughs> later, but Mila Jovovich, it was just like, it was that, it was the fifth element, and then it was these movies, and then you find out she's in Dazed and Confused, and you just watch it again and again to get like the three minutes of Mila. Mm. 
And you're, she was like the classic, <laughs> the classic, like she's changing in the background of the fifth element and you try and pause it just so you can see that one nipple moment. That's, I grew up, she was my nipple pause and that's huge. They had a, they had a nipple NP. moment in this movie. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It, I paused it two nights ago when I watched it on the nipple moment. Don't you worry. <laughs> just to relive your, relive your yeah. youth. Relive your youth. Yeah. She has, and, uh... I shared this fact. She was also married to uh, Luke Besson. Probably butchering that. Luke but Besson. The Fifth Element. Yeah, Fifth Element director at the time. And I think both of these directors love to put her in absolutely insane costumes just to kind of show some Mila off, you know? Because, like, the, the <coughs> hospital gown. I was like looking at the construction of that at the end of this movie. It's so it's like, impractical. Who build a hospital gown like with the that? sides. They were like, we sides open. They were like, we don't open. have any gowns left, but just grab a couple pieces of paper from the printer and we'll tape them on. And we'll just make it work. There's actually a Kinkos across the street, so it would probably be faster if you could run across the street. Yeah, it is interesting how both of these men were able. So Mila Jovovich was a model turned mm-hmm. um, turned actress. Um, it is interesting how they turned her into an action star. You know, I think like that. You know, action is obviously famously such a male-dominated industry, and then you sort of squint and you see things like Resident Evil, where it's like there are these little franchises or just like projects that are completely upheld by these women that are like really great action heroines, and you just kind of like forget. And it's crazy that Mila Jovovich is playing basically like a science fiction like heroine in both a classic like. Fifth Element and like a consistent franchise like in this Resident this Evil. movie the two main people are women which is pretty cool in a time when I'm sure Hollywood is probably more male dominated than it was ever after that like it was Michelle Rodriguez and Mila they let it and were pretty fucking awesome I thought I mean they were definitely effective whether you enjoyed their performance or not I also want to have a Michelle Rodriguez conversation even if it's two minutes but any other notes on Mila before we move on to Michelle? Yeah, let's go to Michelle and um, thank can thank you th- can you thank Mila for her time on our behalf since I know you are um, currently her PR. Rep. I just I just shot her a text letting her know we're live, but I will okay. I will let her know. Thank you, Mila. Amazing. Yeah, let's talk Michelle Rodriguez because I was thinking how funny it was that Joey you so perfectly connected Mortal Kombat to. Fast and the Furious, which I think is, like, exactly the right red string if you're, like, looking for what Hollywood is trying to, like, do. Like, a piece of this, a piece of that. This is a year after the first Fast and the Furious. Maybe two. I feel like it was 2001. Um, Michelle Rodriguez, I'm low-key always happy to see her. What do you guys think of her in general? And what did you think of her in Resident Evil? I think she is a fantastic foil for Mila. Mila kind of has the manic pixie thing going on a little bit. She's always, like, slightly lost, but, like, kicks ass. She's kind of, like, in this movie, she's a little bit Jason Bourne-ish, mm-hmm. where it's like, I don't know how I got here. Mm-hmm. I can't remember anything. But whenever I do remember something, it's that I could, like, run up a wall and kick she, a zombie She had to fight until her <laughs> superpower showed up, is what you're saying. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh god what a beautiful thing (laughs) um and i think that michelle rodriguez is just like fucking tough 
Yeah, Michelle is not a great actress, but she has a legendary snarl. She has a good. Mm-hmm. She's like a like a resting bitch face queen. Like it's sort of her like tick, but you always believe Michelle Rodriguez can like kick a dude's ass, which I think like there's always suspension of disbelief to a degree with like some of like the stars who like lead the films, maybe. Um, but Michelle Rodriguez literally looks like she could kick your ass. What do you think, Davey? What is your mm. Rodriguez take? I love me some Michelle. She's just like the ultimate tough lady who is hot and doesn't have to get super jacked for roles, but somehow you believe her. She just like gives this extra toughness that is really unique. Like if you think about, she's in the Fast and the Furious franchises. She beats Ronda Rousey in a fight in one of the Fast and the Furious movies. She's in SWAT. She's like the tough girl in Avatar. She is, yeah, in this Resident Evil movie and arguably the toughest person in it. She just like, she always comes to play and she's ready to fight and just appreciate that in in any actor or actress. Finish her! There's been a lot of conversation about the death of the American action hero. You know, we don't have our, our great American male who could lead a movie but hot take great american action heroes are all women now including michelle a hundred percent and angelina jolie for like a long time you know before she went into her sort of like earth mother stage you know i feel like the two tomb raider movies tell you like two different stories about angelina jolie's like celebrity the first is like her being this like badass action star and the second is like she's both an action star and also is like running around like the world and is like sort of like healing children it's like yeah these are like the two poles of angelina jolie's like jolie-ness in one thing but you know wanted salt it's totally part of her repertoire and she's one of hollywood's one of hollywood's women i totally co-signed that theory mm-hmm. this really is kind of like where the tides are turning and it's where they belong i think you know it just feels more exciting i think that's the thing missing from action movies with like these like b-list sort of action stars like if you're not gonna have a schwarzenegger like everyone's just gonna be doing schwarzenegger like karaoke or something you know totally (laughs) all right you guys you know what time it is it's Lindsay lohan o'clock trademarking that davy can you get on that (laughs) freaky friday or parent trap davy you go first i think we should switch places i mean I feel like Mila Jovich could vary her character or her as an actress could slide in to Mortal Kombat and make a huge difference. I'm in. Like, she got her powers. I mentioned earlier, she had to fight to get powers. She just did it in a different movie. So I'm bringing her into the Mortal Kombat universe, and uh, I'm bringing Sonya Blade, I guess, over to Resident Evil and just letting that franchise die after one movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's a hundred percent mine i'm parent trapping and swapping jessica mcnamee who plays sonia and michelle rodriguez because sonia is giving you a 2002 performance in a 2021 movie and michelle rodriguez deserves mortal kombat she should be in mortal kombat she should be she would be the biggest star in that movie so i'm parent trapping joey what about you yeah you stole mine i think that oh, sorry we clearly need to fix Sonya Blade, that would be super helpful <laughs> to get something in there. So Mila or Michelle would be a gigantic upgrade for that role. Mila is Sonya into that. Yeah, it's a good swap. Let's get Cole Young <laughs> into one of the anonymous 
white dude roles. Let's let's have him play Matt or Spence. <laughs> Just get his head chopped. There's also off. I think a Dave, a Rick in there <laughs> probably. Like Brad, Phil. I want him to like I want him to gear up in the laser room and prepare to do like a quadruple front flip. And then just get sliced in half. Mm. <laughs> That'd be a way more fun scene. Is like he's the tough guy about to do it, <laughs> chopped in half. Oh, here's another one. Maybe I want to get the Mortal Kombat, the guy who screams Mortal Kombat, to play the Red Queen in Resident Evil. Switch those two. So we got kind of a a young spooky ghost girl doing the Mortal Kombat Ooh. scream now. Mm. Moto Combat. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's what I want. That's what you want. Yeah, I think that's solid. Okay, y'all, ring, ding, ding. It's time for buy, sell. Joey, what are you buying? What are you selling? Pay that man his money. I I had to change my my positions after talking to Davey during this podcast, but <laughs> I'm buying all of the Mila stock because. Mommy blog Mila is about to fucking cash in. If she's doing, like, can we get her a Netflix series? Can we get, you know, Mila plus three or something? Like, I am ready for this. Yeah. Mooch, her goop. (laughs) And uh, I guess, like... I don't even know if there's any value. Like, can you sell a penny stock? I don't know who Eric Mabius is or James <laughs> Perfy or any of these guys, but let's get them the fuck out of there. Like, good Lord. <laughs> yeah, if you're buying stock on them disappearing, I'd say you are making a pretty penny. <laughs> okay. Are you? Do- is that your entire portfolio, Joey? Yeah, I think that's what I'm going for. I'm going okay. heavy, Mila, funding it with the... 12 cents I'm getting by selling James Purefoy. <laughs> yeah, putting it to good use. Davey showed up here and did some work. He pitched Mila Jovovich out and switched up your portfolio. Okay, I'm buying stock in any company that enhances efficiency when it comes to inputting codes that open doors quickly. That one dude who multiple times in Resident Evil is like, one second, and is like, someone's getting chopped up, someone's getting sliced, and he like opens the door. Then they get to another door of the elevator, and he's like, I'm trying. I'm like, this is unbelievable. And the fact that he wasn't fired earlier is like the Umbrella Corporation or whatever is like biggest mistake. I'm selling weapons-grade biotech stock that I'm happy to announce I do own a lot of, <laughs> but I am, I've had a change of heart. Cashing in. I'm cashing in and I'm getting out of the game. I'm getting out of the game. And I'm buying Crash Bandicoot stock because I just have a feeling. I just have a feeling it, that that'll be a good play in the next three to five years. I love it. Davey, what about you? I'm going on a spending spree. Uh, and I am buying my Mila Jovovich stock. I, I already have a bunch, but I'm maxing out the card. I'm buying some Michelle Rodriguez stock. I already had some of that too, but with this Fast and the Furious uh, female lead spinoff, I just she's just going to keep going. She could just keep being tough, and I'm in. I'm buying stock in zombie dogs. You don't get enough of them. And I feel like they really bring the heat. When they show up in this movie, you guys know that you are like, oh, shit, fucking dogs? 
You guys were thinking that, right? Oh, uh-huh. yeah. My mind oh, went yeah. straight to I Am Legend, and that that zombie dog movie is on one end of the spectrum, and this zombie dog mo- moment is on a different end. I was like, this is going to be rough. Well done. <laughs> and, uh, and then I'm also just buying stock in the idea of we need to start making video games based on movies as opposed to movies based on video games. And I think both of these mm. show that. Like, I'm sure they've made a Fast and the Furious movie or video game, and I'm sure they've made Born Identity video games, but, like, let's invest because then you don't have to tell a story. It's there in the movie. You just make the kick-ass game. Goldeneye. Goldeneye is the, the gold standard. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Get, just give me a little little bit of Boris, you know? Give me a mm-hmm. laugh during it. You know. That's and I don't I have mean. anything to sell. I, this was an absolutely perfect pairing for me. Yeah, and you doubled up on your already psychotic amount of Jovovich stock. So I think you're coming out good. I think you're coming out clean. Two Reels Extended Universe. You guys, let's build Mm. this out. What are we seeing? What are these films giving us that we can see content franchises, multi-million dollar business endeavors? Elevator going up. I'll go first. I'll get us started. I'm seeing a collaboration with that we will help happen we will help make happen i'm happy to shepherd this deal an etsy collaboration with cole's daughter for her bracelet braiding business um the bracelet plays a large part in mortal Kombat. um even though cole leaves his family in gary indiana to just sort of rot frankly and i forget that they exist but that bracelet sticks with you so i just see a really big branding um home goods empire for cole's daughter um what about you joey I actually have two. Uh, we know Citizen Cage is coming, but <laughs> I want to know about the Mortal Kombat world's make. Like, I know this one took a long time. Annihilation failed. It was a 15-year process to get this masterpiece off the ground. Take me into the atmospheric, gritty world of 2010's B-movie Hollywood. I want to see, you know, the process of Simon McCoyd somehow convincing people that this should be his first directorial debut. I want to see the gritty writer sitting there in the desert building the script. I want this like a very big, beautiful movie. Maybe we call it a uh, Mortal Comic. <laughs> yeah. Mankle Combat. Yeah. You know, really lean into that. I think that'd be strong. Yeah. Uh, the the other one, which I just thought of, is I want to. This is probably a reality show, but I want both Paul Anderson directors to have to just kind of hang out and talk shop. <laughs> Anderson on Anderson, Paul Anderson on Paul yeah. Anderson. The Pauls, yeah, something like that. Like, I think Not they the got Pauls. a lot in common. <laughs> Polly want a cracker, and like Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood, yes, and uh, I think that they kind of they got a, like there's a world where old WS might have more juice than you know Paul T because uh, one of them has 1.26 billion in gross receipts, and unfortunately it's a uh, old WS over there. So right. I think he would have a lot to say, and. Just could be fun, you know. Fun I want to. I want to see Paul W. S. Anderson's take on Magnolia. 
<laughs> I maybe they can swap. Maybe they can sort of tap in, tap out, back to back DJ set vibe. I would love to Freaky Friday some of those frogs into Resident <laughs> oh, Evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which character's power ends up being that he can make it rain frogs in Mortal Kombat? That's for the sequel. That's the sequel. Davey, yeah. what is your extended universe? I have two, but I'll make them quick. So the first is I want Mortal Kombat versus DC. I want that movie really bad. I mean, the DC universe we know mm-hmm. is struggling Shoot some of this crack into it, and you got yourself something special. That's all I got on that pitch. Okay, here's it. And they don't feel that different. No. Am I am I wrong? They feel un- painfully similar in how they look oh. and feel. Dude, Zack Snyder would do something really special with Mortal Kombat. There's no question about that. Uh, yeah, at least uh, the Snyder cut no of doubt. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> so fucking tight. Okay, here's my other one. I want a reality show about where all the bad guys in Mortal Kombat live. They all live in, like, this mansion. They're all bad guys. They're just kind of arguing. There's the screaming lady with wings. Mm. Uh, You have Melina. She's the lady with the teeth. And can you guys guess what I'm going to call this show? Resident Evil. (laughs) (laughs) You are just That's... out here doing Mila's dirty work. She's just talking in your ear in an earpiece, Davey, at this point. Oh, my God. I love the the lady with the wings, the lady with the teeth. In <laughs> Resident Evil. <laughs> we are now proud members of Speak Studio. And so do we have any Speak Studio incubator podcast ideas that we want to just sort of ship out and let them know we're thinking of things that can make their airways more mortal more evil open the pod bay doors hell mila could do a mommy talks podcast she could bring on michelle rodriguez she just interview ali larder bring on all the ladies of her former films right but the logo is like in the font of resident evil and it just says mila's mommy pod that's right Outstanding. Davey, is there anything in in God's name that you have to say? Anything left you have to say on Mila's behalf or your own? There was another Street Fighter movie called The Legend of Chun-Li starring Kristen Crook. Uh, another great watch. And the guy who is the main bad guy in that is the same actor who plays Shang Tsung in the first two Mortal Kombat movies. So I'm not looking at any screen. I just know all this stuff. Uh, so, so I recommend that for our listeners. Uh, otherwise, it's all I got, and can't wait for Resident Evil Seven. Welcome to Raccoon City. Wow, wow! Just that title. Just that. I'm gonna leave our listeners with that title. Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. I think that's a great place to sign off. Um, signing off from Raccoon City, Davey, Joey, as always, an absolute pleasure. All right, guys. <laughs> See you on the other side.